Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, through faith in him. A wise elderly man once told me, whatever you spend the most time thinking about, I'm going to tell you that might very well become your God. That's an interesting way to describe the first commandment. I'm sure many of you guys have learned that or at least heard that before. You shall have no other gods. And the way that we teach that in our catechism classes to our youth or our adult instruction classes is that we are to put God number one in our hearts. We're to fear him above all things, that is respect him above anyone and everything else. We are to love him more than anyone or anything else. We are to trust him more than anyone or anything else. And I think what that wise elderly man told me was another way of thinking about the first commandment, or at least it could be. Whatever you spend the most time thinking about, that might very well become your God. One of the things that hit me like a freight train when I graduated high school was this concept of financial responsibility. Now I gotta pay for college and I'm gonna have to take out loans, then I'm going to have to pay off those loans. And then when I graduate college, I might get married and we might have kids and I might have a family to provide for, I'm going to have bills to cover, I have retirement to save up for, I have an emergency fund to tuck money away into, on top of a myriad of other financial stresses that we can encounter. And when I was 18 years old, I began thinking all the time about money. I began worrying about money in the coming years. I began stressing over money. I began doubting that God would provide. Make no mistake, God requires us. He expects us to be good stewards, good managers of our money. He expects us to plan things out. He expects us to the best of our ability to provide for ourselves, our families, to think ahead to the future and plan. But every once in a while, we can become servants to money when we begin to doubt whether God will provide, when we fixate on money, when we stress over money. And all of our decision making essentially boils down to how is this going to affect me financially? To that type of thought, Jesus speaks pretty clearly this morning. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and will despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What he is warning us against is that if we put all of our trust into money, if we rest our hearts on money, we might very well lose the one who created heaven and earth and provides for us, God himself. Jesus teaches us this morning that the Christian serves God and not money. And he tells us a parable to show the hope that Christians have that money will never be able to give us. 
The way he tells this parable about a rich man who has a manager, I like to envision it like this. I imagine this rich man being a landowner to thousands of acres, and most of it is farmland. And he leases or rents most of it out, and he fell behind on keeping track of all of the paperwork and all of the agreements, so he hires out a manager to do that. And the manager was not very careful in making sure that those he allowed to rent out or lease out the land had a soil management plan. They would skimp on the fertilizer or forget to do it, and they would have good crops for a few years, but over time, all of a sudden the crop yield became less and less, the soil was depleted, and the tenants could not make their payments. So word gets around that these tenants that the manager found are not the most responsible and he is going to take a huge financial hit. So he calls the manager into his office and he says, what is this that I hear about you? In fact, I have seen this with my own eyes. Your tenants are behind on their payments and there is no way they will be able to make their payments because the land is no longer yielding crops. I need you to give an account of your management, hand over your ledgers and records and paperwork, and show me exactly what you have been doing. So as the rich man starts to pour over the paperwork, the manager begins to sweat, and he thinks to himself, what am I going to do now? If I lose this job, I am going to be in dire straits pretty quickly, I can't work construction, I can't work excavation because I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm not going to be a beggar on the quarter. There is no pride in that. I'm too ashamed to do that. But wait, I think I have an idea. So at least people respect me enough to welcome them into their homes and let me live there. And so he calls in two of his master's debtors. The first one he has sit down and he says, how much do you owe my master? And he says, 900 gallons of olive oil. In today's money, retail price, that would be $15,000 to $20,000. And so the manager tells him, why don't you grab your bill and very quickly write this out in your own hand, scratch that out, and make it 450 gallons of olive oil. I'll give you a 50% discount. And he calls the second debtor in and he says, how much do you owe? And he says, a thousand bushels of wheat, and today's money in retail sale, maybe 3,000 to $5,000. And he decides he will give him a 20% discount, all right? In your own hand, write this out for 800 bushels of wheat, and we'll call it good, we'll call it square. The manager was deceitful. The manager was dishonest. But when the rich man heard about what he had done, how he had made these men write out the bills in their own hands so it would not come back to the manager, and when he saw the wagons full of wheat and olive oil come onto his property as payment, he commended the manager, because he had acted shrewdly. 
This is one of the strangest parables that Jesus tells us because the way it starts, the way it goes, the way he ends it, it sounds like Jesus is telling us to be dishonest if we have to. Jesus is telling us not to use our minds to plan ahead financially. Jesus is telling us to take measures in our own hands by any means necessary. And in so doing, he will commend us. That's not exactly what Jesus is talking about here. He throws this in. He says, The people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. And what he's saying is, if you do not have God in your life, if you have no hope of eternal life in heaven, if you do not know God's peace and forgiveness, At certain times in your life, that is what you are going to have to rely on. Your own shrewdness, your own cunning. Because here on this earth, all you've got to worry about is providing for yourself. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, that is not who you and I are. He tells us this. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Jesus doesn't say that about the manager or about the people of this world who do not know God. He says the people of the light, you and me who have been welcomed into his family through baptism, whereby water and the word God opened our eyes to see the wonderful inheritance we have in heaven itself, Mount Zion, the new Jerusalem where you and I will dwell in peace for all eternity. As people of the light, he opens our eyes to see Christ Jesus who took all of our doubt, all of our worry over money, all of the times that we have been greedy and taken it to the cross outside of Jerusalem and washed away all of our sins with his blood. He has given us forgiveness without end. He has given us heaven where we will dwell eternally without doubt or worry or any love in our hearts except our love for our heavenly Father. That is something that money cannot give us on this earth. Money gives us struggles on this earth, but in heaven we will never have that. God requires that we trust in him to provide in his word. He tells us, I was young and I was, now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. God promises that we do not need to worry about money because at the very least he will provide what we need to survive, a roof over our head, walls around us, food on the table, and clothing to cover our bodies. When he shows us that he will provide for us. When he promises that he will continue to preserve our lives. He shows us in this parable that we are not servants to money itself. Money is our servant to carry out the work of his kingdom. He tells us use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. That is one way we can serve God with our worldly wealth. That is one way we can show people the love and generosity of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I'm sure you've heard Pastor Schwartz say it before. His take on outreach is this. Be nice to people. Tell them about Jesus. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. If you have a car and there is someone who does not have a car, offer them a ride. If you have tickets to sports games and someone has never been there, make friends for yourselves by inviting them along. Invite them over to your house for dinner and give them a meal. (laughs) And help them out need be, trusting that God will bless this for the work of his kingdom. And number two, he teaches us to be faithful managers of what he has given to us. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. Whether God blesses us financially with little and we are barely scraping by, whether we are a little more well off and life is more comfortable, or whether we are rich and money is never a concern in the world, God asks us to be faithful. Return to him a portion of what he has given to you and trust that he will continue to provide even if it doesn't make sense. And he gives us an opportunity to do this right now. One of the blessings that we have in this congregation is a capital campaign to help eliminate our debt from building this wonderful church building and to plan ahead for renovating our school. Through the generosity of God's people, we already have the ball rolling on that. The debt is shrinking. The capital campaign is rolling along. But another thing that God asks us to be faithful with is our general operating budget, keeping the lights on, keeping the heat going, allowing for maintenance of our buildings. And so far this year, we are a little over $50,000 behind. I ask that you would prayerfully consider setting aside a portion of money to give an offerings towards that because that is something God has called us to be managers of too. Brothers and sisters in Christ, praise our God that he has given you heaven itself. Praise our Lord Jesus that he provides for your daily needs. I ask that you would always view money as your servant, as God's means to advance the work of his kingdom. Now to God who will give you eternal riches, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen.